Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, again, if you will uh, find your place in, in the Word as we continue to look at, at Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34, and... Um, this parable of the seeds and the growing seeds, when seeds sprout. Now, I'll be the first to say that when seeds sprout is not always, seed sprouting is not always the most exciting thing to, to watch. Uh, because a lot of what takes place, it, it, it takes place over time. And if you're like me, I, I get impatient. Um, I'm not one who was given a lot of God-given patience. In fact, I, I, I sometimes have to pray that God would not have to teach me patience because it seems like he's just constantly trying to teach me patience because we've always heard that whole, that whole line that if you pray for patience, he's going to give you patience, which means he's going to test you and challenge you. And I don't want to be challenged and tested with patience because I want things when I want them. And so uh, we all, uh, I'm sure, experience being impatient at some point, sometime in our lives. And we come to a text today in which um, it, it speaks of growth and it speaks of, of the harvest and of the work to be done in the kingdom. And it compares the growth of the kingdom to seeds sprouting. I, I start to wonder if, if I have enough patience to watch the seeds sprout in the kingdom. When I was in the, the seventh grade, I, I did a science project. In fact, <clears throat> it was my science fair project, so it wasn't really the most exciting one, but I needed something quick, and I, I came to this uh, certain project. And it was basically uh, a study about bacterial growth. Not the most exciting thing in the world, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit. <clears throat> so, uh, if you've ever thought about mold and mildew growing, and maybe in the shower, it uh, just seem, seems like one day you just walk in there and you notice, I need to clean that shower. It's not been a while. There's mold and mildew there. But have you ever thought about sitting there watching it every day by day by day to see when it's going to grow? It's not that all that exciting. Well, that was, in some ways, kind of how the project went, I, uh, with a little bit of a different scenario. I, I, I took some uh, tomato soup, I, I went outside and uh, touched a couple of surfaces, and then I touched the soup. And uh, then I went and did the same thing, and I washed my hands with a certain kind of soap, antibacterial soap, and touched the soup. And I went outside, touched the same surfaces, came in, washed my hands with just water, and touched the soup. And I uh, did the same thing for a couple of different kinds of soaps. I did rubbing alcohol. I did different cleaners, cleans it. Ultimately, was trying to find out and determine which cleaner cleaned my hands the best. Because what I did then was I took all those different bowls of soup, and I, I put them in my parents' closet because... Their closet was big enough 
for one, but two, bacteria likes to grow, bacteria likes to grow in a cold, dark environment, so put them in the closet, and I must have checked those soups a hundred times the first day, saw nothing, maybe not a hundred times the second day, but a lot, third day, maybe not so much, fourth day, fifth day, it took almost seven days for that bacteria to grow. Again, uh, I was wanting it to grow on the next day, but it took time. Needless to say, this probably wasn't the best science project for someone who doesn't have much patience. People who lack patience will likely find it hard with this scripture that teaches us that the growth in the kingdom is often long and takes years. Oftentimes, we don't even get to see the results of, of the hard work that we put in, ultimately trusting that that hard work is going to lend itself to some type of kingdom growth. <clears throat> Another thing is, oftentimes we have our expectations of what kingdom growth looks like. The disciples, after all, had their own understanding of what the kingdom should look like. So, uh, many of the disciples thought that, that Jesus had come back and he was the long-awaited Messiah. And in the Jewish culture, the long-awaited Messiah was going to come and bring uh, peace and restore order to the land for the Jews. In other words, that would mean that the Romans would be pushed out somehow and they would regain control over their land. Well, we know that Jesus did not come for that. And so their idea, the disciples' idea of kingdom growth was much different. And oftentimes we have our own ideas of what kingdom growth should be. And we begin to discover as we do the hard work of the gospel and its teaching that God teaches us a little bit about what it means to experience kingdom growth. <clears throat> as residents in the kingdom of God, we have to realize that it, that it grows miraculously in spite of external factors. In fact, it, it grows in spite of us. There is nothing that we can do to avoid it, to keep it from happening, or to speed it up for that matter. The scripture opens by painting this picture of a man scattering seed. It says in, in verse 26, this is what the king, kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. So this opening scripture begins to paint this image that it grows in spite of what this man does. That whether he sleeps or whether he gets out there and works or, or whatever he does, he does not understand fully how and what and why the king, this growth takes place. That is where we have to accept ultimately and allow God's timing to take over. 
because it is in His timing and in His plan that we will experience kingdom growth. The first thing we need to learn from this parable is that God will see His kingdom grow regardless of our desires. There is nothing the sower can do independently to cause the harvest to grow. The power released by initiating the kingdom of God cannot be contained. When Jesus came to this earth and started proclaiming the gospel message and that he had come to bring new life and he had come to bring eternal life and hope, that message was out in the world and was going to catch on like wildfire. Think about this. A man in a controlled country, occupied country, oppressed country, became the most famous and, and, and arguably the most influential man in all of history. I mean, think about that. Time, I mean, our years are measured A.D., after death, after Christ. Even our time is measured by this man. This God in the flesh. Verse 27 goes on to say that night and day, the individual sleeps and gets up, the seeds sprout and grows, though he does not know how. We may desire to impose our will on God, but in the end, he will be victorious in working out the details of his kingdom and of what he desires. Ultimately, there is nothing we can do alone, independently, to be successful as defined here in the kingdom. We must lean on God and his Holy Spirit. It's where we try to take over and say, no, God, this is where we need to go, that we begin to realize that that he will find a way to bring us back to, to his path. And so we learn to rely on God's will, his strength, and his timing. Sometimes I think as as though we act as though the kingdom of God is really our kingdom. I mentioned just a minute ago, the disciples had their own idea and had their own belief of what the kingdom was going to be with Jesus as their leader. Well, we do the same thing, I'm afraid. We begin to assume that God wants this or God wants that because that's what we see here or that's what we want there. Before long, we begin to realize that the kingdom of God ultimately transcends all of our understanding and provides us with a perfect and pleasing will that is of God's choosing. And so we learn to trust in His timing. We learn to submit and, yes, to develop patience. Those are the virtues that are hard to come by here in the text. They challenge us from the very basic instincts that we have in our human nature. But we can start by realizing that as Christians, we must not continue to allow our human nature to define our existence and, and there our place in the kingdom of God. 
We are, as the scripture teaches, newly created in Christ. And we enter into a newly created kingdom where God's will is larger than our own. So we have to drop our, our selfish desires to always know or always have the answers or always be in control and allow His will to unfold. However, just as this may sound like we have no ultimate control over the growth of the kingdom of God, there, there are processes that take place that ultimately produce the harvest that God calls us to have a direct impact on. He has sought fit in His grace and mercy to have us become a part of His kingdom and a part of the growth of that kingdom. Now the time in between the sowing and the harvesting, that's the important time. When we decide ultimately to follow Christ, that's when we start to sow. And, and from that time until he, he brings us home in all glory and eternity, that's where all the work, the hard work takes place. That's where many of us find ourselves here in the church. It's where we are called upon to advance His purpose and His will. As, as many of you know, Sarah and I uh, don't have any children of our own, but we do have a border collie named Molly, and she's our, she's our girl. She's our baby girl. Um, in fact, uh, when I had gone a couple of weeks ago uh, on a weekend, on a Saturday, to, to do Christmas with my grandma, we went ahead and took Molly to my parents' house and left her there while we kind of traveled all back and forth through the state. Uh, I think there was about five or six days in a row where we were driving in the car somewhere. <clears throat> but we did it so we could see our family and, uh, and get, uh, get that fellowship time. But when I, when I got back to my parents' house after about a week, <clears throat> I went outside and, again, Molly just went, went crazy. She was just uh, whining and just, you know, giving me all kinds of hugs and love and attention. It, it feels good to have that unconditional love from a pet. They become part of your family. They become your children. Well, we tried many years ago, once before, to be dog owners. It was a little Pomeranian named Callie. We don't have Callie anymore because when we decided to get Callie, we had no business getting a dog. Our lives were crazy. I was working on finishing up my schooling. I started a new job. It just didn't, it wasn't the right time. We could not fully commit to being dog owners. She was doing things that I don't want to speak of here in worship, but we could not get her trained. Uh, we could not get her house broken. And ultimately, we realized that we were being selfish to keep that dog because she was being locked up all the time because we were gone. And, and so ultimately we found a new home, a better home from Callie. If you cannot commit to preparing for the harvest, you shouldn't sow in the first place. In other words, if we get to the point where we are willing to, 
to start the growth process, to, to enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, then we should be willing to do the hard work that He will call us to do. We should be willing and even excited to sacrifice because we acknowledge that that is God trusting us with His perfect and pleasing will. The will that is going to change other people's lives for not only their life, but their eternity. So when we decide to sincerely give our lives to a relationship with Christ, then we should be able to do nothing but ultimately commit to His will. The sower does not abandon his work or become uninterested in what takes place. The sower does not say, well, the, well, the growth is not coming in my timing. The harvest is not approaching when I want it to approach, and so I'm going to do something else. The sower sticks with that hard work and sees it to completion. The sower preps the soil, waters, and nurtures the growth And as verse 29 says, puts the sickle to it. Which means there's some active labor that takes place. There's action that is required in the kingdom growth. We can't just show up on Sunday morning and open the doors and turn the lights on and expect people to just show up and and the kingdom to grow. We have to actually get out in the community and share the message of the gospel, share the love of Christ. Do the hard work that He calls us to do. Now the harvest is always popular. There's no one that would say, I'll turn that that part down. Everyone wants to be a part of the harvest, for that's when we get to see the fruits of sometimes other people's labor and then sometimes our own. But we are not always called upon to reap the harvest. Sometimes we are called to do the hard work of the sower. That as in verse 28 details, develops through a process. Harvest is not the only important task. The seed and its growth are equally important and necessary to develop a strong harvest. <clears throat> Baseball is thought of by some to be the greatest game ever played. And, and why uh, oftentimes uh, commentary, comment, com, uh, those that, that do the commentary will, will claim it to be the greatest game is because it takes so much uh, to, that, to execute a perfect game plan in baseball. To a lot of people, it seems boring, not a lot of action. But when that, when that ball gets hit, there are so many moving parts that take place. If it's hit in the left field, there's a, a fielder that catches the ball, and then there's a cutoff man that has to go out and get the, catch the ball and relay it to another man who, who's being backed up by another man. All these different moving parts that have to take place in one play. It requires some of the most preparation to reap a harvest of victory. Now sure, there are ball players and teams that are power hitters and just knock home runs out every chance, but they're not always the winners. 
In fact, the last few years, it's been these small market teams winning the World Series who ultimately play a game called small ball. It's a term in baseball where you do the fundamentals of playing baseball to win. You advance runners. You, you do all the small things and you execute them with perfection. You may not hit a bunch of home runs and you may not strike a bunch of people out, but you field well, you bunt well, you hit well. You execute the fundamentals of the game of baseball. Not all the work in the kingdom of God is glorious or popular, but it will bring glory at the harvest time. In other words, the work of sowing is just as crucial as anything in the kingdom of God. The primary work of the sowing in the kingdom of God is the authoritative proclamation of Jesus. It is the proclamation of the gospel that becomes the manifestation and the process of the kingdom's growth. So not only do we look to reap a harvest, but find the place within the kingdom to work towards the growth. Finding our place of service within the church for, for which we can lend our 100% total commitment. Finding our, our way not to just be one that's, that starts or, or waits for the finish, but to run a full grace of sowing for the purposes and will of God. Often it's the smallest job that has some of the largest impact. And in the illustration I just gave of baseball, sometimes it's the sacrifice fly. Sometimes it's the bunt that ultimately is considered small ball, that advances a runner over, and that ultimately scores the winning run. Oftentimes, it's the sacrifices that we make <clears throat> to not see growth, but to do some hard work that maybe won't even get acknowledged by, by the world or even seen by others and yet has an enormous impact <clears throat> on the kingdom growth. Actions within the kingdom, no matter how small, will have lasting, eternal impact. Even the actions we choose not to engage in have an impact. There is just as much a process that develops as Jesus goes on to illustrate this mustard seed into one of the largest plants in the garden. Again, finding our place back in His Word, we find in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, picking up in verse 30, He says, And again, He said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Now, we could spend a whole morning sermon on just that passage. 
but a few things to pull away from what Jesus is trying to say, especially in light of our passage about growing and sowing seed. First, this ought to again encourage us to find our place, to find our specific work within the kingdom growth. But there is something else larger we can get from this comparison. There, there will be a day when the kingdom will surpass in glory all of the mightiest kingdoms of the earth. Just as it started with a small baby, which we just celebrated a couple weeks ago, the birth of a, a small child, a Christ child, which was the first seed began spreading a message of the kingdom of God. Jesus himself proclaimed that one day he would come back and bring and usher in God's kingdom. <clears throat> There'll be a day where eternity takes over and time ceases to be. Where all kingdoms will fall and only one kingdom will be left. Sounds like a, a mustard plant growth to me. As verse 32 also points out, the mustard plant provides protection and shade for the birds of the air. So will the kingdom of God be the only one that will last to provide ultimately for creation. Ultimately, there'll be a day where we can't find fulfillment in anything else, where we can't find completion than the things of this world because it will pass away. And it will only be the kingdom and His kingdom where we can find protection, find peace, and find residence. And until that day continues, we are to press forward in the contribution of God's will and plan for its growth and development. So here's the, the challenge for us today. Are we 100% committed to God's will for our lives? Have we made that decision to, to become sowers? And if we have, do we know what He's calling us to do? The hard work, the growth, the planting, the, the tending to the soil. Don't get caught up in only wanting to wait for a harvest that you can watch from the sidelines or from the bleachers. Become challenged with, with God's timing and will. Realize that sowing the seed, growing the seed, is important. God has never promised us that we're always going to hit home runs or that we're always going to strike uh, others out. Sometimes we'll have to lay down a sacrifice. Will we be willing to lay down that sacrifice? Lay down our expectations to serve with 100% of our commitment? Will we participate in this process of sowing for seeds that will sprout new life, eternal life in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? <clears throat>
Dear God, it, it truly is in, in the spirit of Jesus Christ and in, in trusting in Him that we find our place, that we find our way into this process of growth in the kingdom. <clears throat> we have seen from the example of your scripture, from the example of your word, from the example of your disciples, from the example of others who have come before us, that it does take hard work. That all is not going to be the, the excitement of the harvest. Let us be excited and passionate about where we find ourselves in the process of, of growing your kingdom. Pull us back onto that road of being 100% committed to your will and your plan when we find ourselves getting a little bit off track, when we find ourselves diverting to our nature and to our desire to be in control, to our desire to dictate what and where we should go, trusting in your providence, trusting in, in your love and your grace. For that is sufficient. And help us to extend that message faithfully to a world that is in need as we trust that you will reap a harvest in your time. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.